Hello, friends. I'm Brian Peart, and I want to welcome you to the Great Awareness Podcast, a podcast focused on helping Christians make sense of this world we are in. The goal is to encourage, but never at the expense of truth. We will take the truth found in Scripture and apply it to the real spiritual battles going on today. We will ignore preconceived beliefs, news media noise, and politicians' words, and look at actions, what is really going on. Then use the truth of Scripture to accurately discern the times and how we need to respond. Jesus said in John 8.32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that is what we are going to attempt to do with each podcast. Get to the truth so we can live as we've been called. Today we're going to start a series called The Five Pillars of a Great Life. The five pillars are love God, love others, rest, work, and good works, using your talents and gifts to help others. We're going to dive deep into each one and see what the Bible says about living a great life. And, and when I talk about that, what is a great life? I'm talking about being in the center of God's will, productive but balanced, kind of making a difference but not stressed or anxious, fulfilled and at peace, being into the easy rhythms of his grace. It's got nothing to do with power or position or money or anything that the world deems important. It's about the joy of being in the Lord's will, fulfilled, fruitful, it's possible if we anchor ourselves with these five biblical pillars. So the first and most important pillar, the one we'll be talking about today, is love God. You may say, that's easy, Brian. I do love God. Uh, but do you really, the way the Bible tells us to? There's four big keys to loving God right, and the first of these is time. We have to spend time with him. Jesus modeled this. He was constantly going off and getting alone with God in prayer and fellowship and, and getting his marching orders. I mean, he started his ministry um, with 40 days in the desert in Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Before he chose the 12, he spent an entire night alone in the desert hills, Luke six twelve. When he received the news of John the Baptist's death, he withdrew from there in a boat to a lonely place apart, Matthew fourteen thirteen. After the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus went up into the hills by himself, Matthew fourteen twenty three. And on and on and on, he would leave the disciples early morning, go out and 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 pray and be alone with the God with God. <clears throat> Jesus modeled going out there. He was constantly getting alone with God. Now in our our physical world that we're in, you know, kids spelt love T I M E. Uh, the father if has to spend time with those kids, okay? If the father spends time with the kids, the kids are going to feel loved. Um the father who's always busy at work, et cetera, and has no time for his kids are su is subtly affirming to the kids, no matter what he says, that he doesn't really love them. And so the onus is on us dads to spend that time with our kids. We have to make the time. Those kids, when they're young, they're always available. They can't wait to play with dad. Um, but, but we have to make the time. In the spiritual world, us kids, we need time with our heavenly father too, Okay. The difference is he's a perfect father, and he's always available. He's omnipresent, so he's always available. The onus, once again, is on us to make time for him. So there's like 20 passages I could have chosen where Jesus went off alone to spend time with God, but we're going to focus on Mark 1, 35 through 38, and I'm reading now. Now in the morning, he, Jesus, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon, who, and those who were with him, searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. 
Now, notice a couple of things here. First, it was very early in the morning, okay? It says, a long time before daylight. All the true saints I've ever met had an early morning quiet time. Uh, there's not a person that I look up to as a spiritual, like, mentor that didn't create space in the morning to get alone with God, okay? Away from distraction where they could hear God's voice so they could obey his word. It's giving the first fruits of your time to the Lord, just like you're supposed to give the first fruits of your money. Now, you may say, I'm not a morning person. I do my time at night. That's How is he going to help you with your day if the day is already over? There's just no logic to that. Sure, pray at night. That's good. But you want to get him into your day at the start of your day, okay? To say you don't have time, you, 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 you're not a morning person. If you had to get up early for a flight for work or if you had to get up early to go on vacation, you get up. You make the time. Why? It's a commitment. When my kids were young, it was a major commitment for me to get off work and be home by six o'clock. I had a huge business. It was publishing. It was uh, commercial. It was residential. We had 700 branches around the country. We were we were huge. And, and to try to get all that done so that I could hurry home so I could be home at six was absolutely insane to try to do and yet I did it every day because it was a commitment I had to be home to spend time with those kids you know some of my best memories are that for many years there I would come home they'd hear me driving up the driveway and they'd come running out and jump in my arms daddy daddy daddy. that was the best and um it it happened because I I made a commitment we need to spend time with God and and that's going to mean we have to make a commitment I'll hear people say, I'm just too busy in the morning. You know, I, uh, I get time when I drop, after I drop off the kids on my way to work, I'll listen to a podcast or listen to Christian music. That's all good stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's being talked at, and you may get an idea. I mean, this is a podcast, right? And you may get motivated on some things, but that's not being still and quiet with the Lord by yourself and, and, and his word and and hearing that small, still voice. He can't speak that small, still voice over Stephen Furtick's, you know, uh, bold preaching, okay? So we have to make the time. When I was first saved, there wasn't much change in me for about three years, and then I started going to a Baptist church where I fell um, into a Sunday school class that was led by the guy who became my mentor, Bill Prince, and and uh, early on, I asked him to mentor me because he had so much spiritual wisdom and depth. And, and so I, uh, I started talking to him. One of the first things he said was, Brian, you got to get up early and spend some time with the Lord. You just have to do it. It's a, it's, it's, it's a minimum. And so, uh, you know, at that time, I had two young kids. We we're going to have another one. Um, I had those people are moving by six. I mean, they're, you know, it, Kids are in my face come 6 a.m., so there was just nothing to to do earlier except if I wanted to spend time in the morning, I had to get up at 5. So I changed my life around. I, I went to bed an hour earlier, and I woke up an hour earlier and, and began to carve out that space to heal, to meditate, to learn, to get our marching orders. Check out verse 37 again from what I just read in, in Mark 1. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Now, now, what happened was the day before, Jesus was doing his ministry. He's healing people. He's preaching. He's teaching. People are coming. 
The crowd wants him. His ministry is taking off. And the disciples are like, yes, we left everything for this, and now it's happening, and they're all excited. So he gets off early in the morning and and goes off by himself to spend time with God, to connect with God, even though his ministry is blowing and going, right? And then then the disciples are like, come on, everyone's looking for you. Come on. And what does he say? Uh, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. He got alone with God, and God told him, nope, time to move on to the next town. And so he got his marching orders from God, and he changed the plan, which made no sense to the disciples, but of course he was the man, right? So they they did it. But he actually got his marching orders from God. We all say we want to be in the center of his will. Well, you're going to have to get alone with him and let him tell you that will. You, You need some time alone. In my own experience, every morning he's giving me people that I'm supposed to call. He may change my plan. He may give me a wisdom on how the next podcast is going to go. All these things happen on a daily basis because I'm getting alone with him. I'm staying quiet, and I'm letting him, him talk about it. And I want to share from a book that, to me, this is a great book. If you have a chance to get it, it's called The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. It's deep. It's intense. And he's a great writer. Uh, he he explains this a lot better than I can, so I'm going to read from from his book here. And it's, it, what happens when we create this space is that we create the emotional and spiritual space which allows Christ to construct an inner sanctuary in the heart. The wonderful verse, I stand at the door and knock, was originally penned for believers, not unbelievers. We have turned our lives over to Christ, need to know how very much he longs to eat with us, to commune with us. He desires to be in all of our day-to-day. Inward fellowship of this kind transforms the inner personality. We cannot turn the burn the eternal flame of the inner sanctuary and remain the same for the divine fire will consume everything that is impure our ever-present teacher will always be leading us into righteousness and peace and joy in the holy spirit that morning time when you're alone the more of it you can get the better and more fulfilled your life is going to be um podcasts are good but if you really want to change your world you have to get alone with God. So that that's the first thing. The first way we love God is to spend time alone with him. Make a sacred special sanctuary time where it's just you and him. For me, it's at my kitchen table in the morning. No one's there. Everyone's asleep. And it's just me and his word. Um, and then after I'm studying, I'm done that. I get on my knees in the in the living room on my couch and, and I start praying. And, and, and that's it. It's, it doesn't always have to be the Bible. It can be a book like the one I just told you about. But, but it should have whatever book you have should have a lot of the scripture in it. It should lead you to Scripture a lot. You should be meditating on it, chewing on it, spending time with God and His Word. The second way we love God is to obey. Jesus said it really clearly in John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Pretty pretty straight on, okay? And that's actually a monster passage. I'm going to keep reading because it goes down and, and really hits something that's huge to me. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. He's talking about the Holy Spirit now. But but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That word manifest, man, 
so he says here, if I can sum it up, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will love you and manifest myself in you. Obedience is the pathway to his presence, to genuine joy. The prideful, insecure teenager in us wants to kick against the goad and fight this, but wisdom says otherwise. Obeying God brings him into your every day. Most Christians in America don't really allow God into their every day. They go to church on Sunday, they get happy, um, they may listen to some music during the week or whatever, but most of their day is spent doing what they've determined they need to do. They're running their show, and, and then when they get in over the head, then they throw up a prayer to God, please help me, okay? Rather... It's way better than trying to do life our way is to bring God in to the every day, to the every moment. Let him manifest in you. So you're waking up, you, you, you plan your week, you know, um, why? Because the Bible says there's a time for all things under the sun. So you want to plan in the really important things, but, but you leave room there because you're waiting on God's marching orders. You wake up each morning, you spend time alone with God. Why? Because the Bible says, give God your first fruits. You allow him to tweak that day as he sees fit. Then when you're done with that time, you're clear on where you're going, what you're doing that day, all of a sudden people are now around you, right? You've got fam- you, family maybe, you, you, and you start dialoguing with them, loving on them, serving them, treating them as you want to be treated because that's what the Bible says we're to do, right? Then you're driving to work. Here's another opportunity to live in the moment with the Lord. You can, you can practice patience. You can drive into the, into the slow lane instead of trying to always cut in and go into the faster lanes and get to work quicker, you can actually go into the slow lane to practice patience, okay? Someone cuts you off, you can respond in love instead of flicking them off. Turn the other cheek. We can, we can be spending all day. You get to work, you're dealing with people, Some maybe that annoying coworker or, or that ticked-off client, you know, and you can react in love because the Bible says we're to turn the other cheek, we're to react in love. Do I nail this every day? No, um, but I'm getting better every day, and I'm becoming more like Jesus every day, and it's fun. Every day is kind of a challenge. Can we really live each day with God manifesting itself in all the little pieces, not, not us controlling everything, but allowing him to flow through us, that smooth, flowing grace? It's more peace. It's no stress. It's no anxiety. It's no fear because we have a helper. Look at verse 20 again, man. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself in him. He is in us to help us, going to make us more like Jesus. He's in there to help us. Even cooler is listening to Jesus talk about this. If you go back uh, to, to John 12, 49, it's a stunning verse. This is Jesus speaking now, and he says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. Jesus didn't even speak a word that wasn't directly told to him by the Father. He didn't even step out of line in one word, okay? In um, John 5, he says that he can do nothing apart from God. Then in, in John 15, he says he's the vine, we're the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. So every minute we're outside of the will of God, we're doing nothing in the eternal kingdom, okay? Because this place isn't where we're going to end. We're going to be in eternity. And everything that has value that we do, it's only happening when we're in the will of God. Apart from them, Apart from that, we can do nothing, okay? This isn't about rules. This is about living, 
Okay, there's plenty of stuff in the Bible about rest and celebration and enjoying the fruits, and we'll talk about them in future podcasts. But stop making it so hard by trying to do life on your terms. You can do nothing. Just wake up and simply obey. And as you obey in small things, you'll grow into bigger things, and Jesus will manifest more and more in you, and your joy will be complete. So to love God, we need to spend time with him. We need to obey him, and finally, we need to trust him. For most, this happens slowly. As they obey God and things kind of work out, they slowly trust him a little more. Or as they keep trying their own way and failing, eventually they throw up their hands and they start obeying and trusting God. But we're not dealing with a flawed human here. That makes sense when you're starting to date someone, say. Um, You slowly trust them a little more and you see how they handle things and you get to know them better. That, that makes sense. You're dealing with someone who is not perfect and so you, you, you ha- they have to earn that trust. God's perfect though. He's not going to fail your trust. The issue, if there's no trust of God, is that you're simply not stepping out in faith, okay? Because he's perfect, okay? My friend and mentor, Bill Prince, who I mentioned a minute ago, he got saved on a Sunday, and he was a different man on Monday. This was a guy who um, father was uh, alcoholic, and and he he was by 14, he was in bars and fighting and, and whatever. And so a normal Friday and Saturday night for him was getting drunk and, and getting in fights and bars. But he had this eye on this one girl, and the girl would not go on a date with him unless he would go to church. So finally, after two months of trying to convince her and failing, he, he shows up Sunday in a church. Now, that Saturday night, he was probably drinking and getting in fights, but that Sunday morning, he shows up in a church, and God just invaded his heart. The next day, he goes into work, and the first words out of guys, before you is a changed man, and he just absolutely trusted God from day one. He didn't start slowly working up to, to 10% tithe, giving 1% in here and 1% there and, and slowly in. He just went into the full tithe from day one. He didn't slowly, you know, slowly ease off of all his friends and everything, uh, you know, that were partying and incorrigible. He just went to him and said, guys, I'm done. I'm not partying anymore, uh, but you can come to church with me. He just invited them. And, and over time he did lead quite a few of them to the Lord, but but he lived a long and fruitful life, a God-honoring life. And his funeral last year made a big impact on my life, as our friendship did when he was alive. The bottom line is, he believed in his heart that what Jesus did in his heart that Sunday morning was real. And he stepped out in faith, and he just absolutely trusted God from day one. Where most of us tiptoe into this trusting of God, he just went into it day one. And we can step out in that same obedience and trust. Proverbs 3, 5, very well-known verse. Listen to it now. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not a little bit of your heart, all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. I mean, I just love that verse. We're to go all in, okay? Things happen to you that you don't like. That, that that happens, but that doesn't mean God's not faithful. You just don't know the other side. Almost everyone who's been a Christian for any length of time can point to times where things didn't seem to go their way, but then later on they were able to look back and say, wow, God's hand was all over that. I can speak from personal experience. So when you're in the middle of a valley or you're in the middle of a, a trying time and you're like, what is God up to? Why, why is this happening or whatever? Just trust that he's going to work good from it. And, and and once you know that he's good and he's going to work good from it, you can relax and release it to him. That's trust, okay? 
it takes faith to stop, step out and obey and spend time with them, to give up control and release. You hear people say all the time, let go and let God, right? These great little Christian catchphrases. But how many people are really doing it? It's a true statement. We should let go and let God, but how many people really do it? In Philippians 4, Paul expands on this when he says, be anxious for nothing. So Philippians 4, verse 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now that's not, that's a command, That's not a suggestion. He's telling us to rejoice. In other words, we can choose to rejoice. When Paul and them got thrown in prison, you know, I imagine Roman prisons were not nice places. You know, they were probably damp. They were carved out of a cave or something. You know, they were probably miserable. But those guys were singing praise songs. Same with Peter when he got arrested. Uh, So, so they were choosing to rejoice even though they were in prison. We sit there and we stub our toe and we, we don't want to rejoice the rest of the day. It's, it's, it's kind, of, kind, of, kind of crazy, really. It's an act of the will, and it's huge. So, so going on in Philippians 4, verse 6, he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in, trust in Christ Jesus. True joy in life will not be in us unless we are anxious for nothing. Jesus said the same thing on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, on the Mount. Remember, he said, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll wear. Why? Because God will take care of you. We must learn to trust God. What does trusting God look like? No anxiety. That's your litmus test. If there's anything in your life that you're nervous about right now, are you nervous about the stock market or or your money or whether you'll have enough money for retirement? You're not trusting God. That anxiousness isn't of God. God said he'll take care of you. If you're tithing your 10%, you don't have to worry about money. You're obeying God. He says he'll take care of you. He actually says it in Malachi, just try it, man. He actually says, test me, try it. It's kind kind of wild. If you're spending time with God, you don't have to worry, and obeying him, you don't have to worry about so many things that people worry about. You can trust God to meet your needs. If you're loving on others the way he tells us to love on others, you don't have to worry about relationship issues. They're all going to work out, okay? If you're worried about your kids and how they're going to become, I personally experienced this just this week. I was stressing a little because a couple of my kids were having issues at the same time, and I was like man, how, how did this happen? And, and the devil even tried to jump in and, and try to attack me and, and, and try to convince me that I wasn't a good father, you know? And, and, uh, I just, I just sat there and said, no, man, God's in control, man. in just one day later, what happened was, was just a, a unbelievable blessing. How the one child mentored the older child. And it was just, just so God honoring the whole thing. And just God's hand was all over it. So, so even in those moments when things aren't going your way, you got to just release and trust and, and let go and let God because he will take care of it. It will work out. I mean, I, I watched it just this week happen. So, so that's your litmus test. Are you worried about global warming? Let's get real, okay? Um, switch into an EV battery. You, you can do that. That's fine. But that's, you doing that in Georgia isn't going to stop a forest fire in, in uh California, okay? Do your part, do what's good, but if you're sitting there actually worried about the environment and controlling the environment and making it, you're, you're worrying about something you can't control. You can't ch- make a tsunami happen. You can't change the, the weather one degree on this planet. The 
spin that's being put on things is not fully truth. In May, I read an article where they were they were talking about global warming, and and then you know th- that weekend it was going to be 101 degrees in May in New York City, which is like was going to be a record high. But if you read down deep in the article, it was also going to snow that day in late May in Colorado, which never happens. Okay, this yin and yang happens all the time. We the North Pole caps are melting, but the South Pole caps are growing. Okay, you don't hear about the South Pole caps. You only hear about the North Pole caps. Why? Because that way you can be fearful. You're not in control of the environment, man. You're just not. You're not in control of those politicians. Stop worrying about things you can't control. Who's in control of the environment? God, who's in control of of everything on this planet? How's it going to all work out the way God wants it to work out? So you don't have to worry about those things. So don't worry about them, okay? Trust in the Lord. If you get up early and spend your time with God in prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, that's a big point there. He says, and thanksgiving. You give him your worries. Be still and get your marching orders, okay? Then simply obey. Tithe your 10%, don't worry about money. Love on others, don't worry about relationship. Don't worry about politics. God's in control of that, okay? Thanksgiving is a key final piece of this loving on God. What parent doesn't love it? When your kids get older, you never get it when you're young, but when your kids get older, they'll come to you and say, wow, you were... You, I'm so thankful that you were my father or you were my mother. You, you did this or you did that. They appreciate what you did, but it's not till their 20s that they finally appreciate what you did, um, unfortunately. So you don't get the kudos until later. But, but when it does, it's such a blessing, right? Man, no matter how bad your life is, 90% of it is good. I, I, you might be struggling with something, but what if you had no eyes? What if your eyes got poked out in something and you couldn't even see would that be worse than what your current situation is right now so if you have eyes to see and ears to hear and 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 you can walk and you can talk and you have friends and 90 percent of your life actually is really good if you break it down but man the devil wants to keep us on that 10 percent and our own our own flesh wants to keep us on the 10 percent and trying to fix the 10 percent instead of just releasing that and 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 being thankful for the 90 percent that's good at least half my prayer time every morning is, is, is thanking him for all the things and all the blessings and all the things he's done for me that day. <clears throat> it's, it's amazing. Um, the attitude of gratitude is key. You're not promised tomorrow. Let's be thankful for what you have today, okay? Have that attitude of gratitude. So how do we love God? The great commandment, Jesus says, the most important thing, the most important thing we can do is love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your strength. How do we love God? We spend time with him. We obey obey him. We thank him. We trust him. We trust him to bring us peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. And that's what Paul, Paul goes on to say. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Then he tells us to meditate on the things that are good and be thankful for them. That's, that's how you love on God. And, and in doing that, and as you grow more in love with God, um, that peace of his is going to transform you. It's going to manifest itself in you. You're going to be more fulfilled, more joyful, joyful, more, um, more in love with the Lord, man. It is an amazing place to be. Um, the first and most important pillar of a great life 
is love God. Take care and God bless.